Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. This is season two, episode 10. I'm Stephanie Rose, Sunlight's community manager, and on today's podcast, veteran Sunlight moms, Judy, Tender, Jen, and Ann, join me as they share practical advice from their own homeschool journeys teaching multiple children with Sunlight. We discuss how to combine different ages into one Sunlight History Bible literature level. We also discuss how to work through multiple Sunlight levels at once. We dissect the difference between couch and table subjects, as well as how to organize and keep track of your homeschool materials teaching multiple children. Their years of experience provide useful tips and inspiring encouragement no matter where you are on your homeschool journey. Join me as we turn the page on this topic. Hello and welcome. Today I have with me Judy, Anne, Jennifer, and Tinder. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Stephanie Rose. I'm the community manager here at Sunlight. And so let's start with Judy. Hey, Steph. Thanks. So I'm a Sunlight mom who has three grown Sunlight (laughs) students and now actually have grandchildren who are getting close to school age. So I'm excited to think that maybe there will be yet another generation of sunlighters in our family. Um, We homeschooled our kids uh, with sunlight because I have a passion for reading. And someone introduced me to sunlight um, when we were first starting and it seemed to be a perfect fit for us. Um, I also have the privilege of working for sunlight. Um, Steph and I work together and if ever attend a homeschool convention and we're believing that they're going to come back next year, um, you might see me or one of these other lovely ladies on the convention floor uh, talking to you about sunlight. Great. Jen? Hi, I'm Jen Price. Um, I've been a sunlight mom for about 18 years. I have four kids who are all raised with sunlight. Um, Like Judy, I saw sunlight early in my homeschool search and the books were what convinced me that this is the way we needed to go. Um, uh, Two of my kids have graduated from high school and are functional adults and I still have two at home. So um, I, if you've ever been at a convention, I may have been one of the people you've talked to. I've worked um, in the sunlight booth for several years. Very good. Ann, welcome. Hi. Thank you. My name is Ann Keebler. I am a homeschool mom. I have two children. Uh, they are 16 and 13. And I, too, found sunlight in the very beginning, and they've been using it since preschool. So I love to share uh, all the great things about sunlight. I do work at conventions, and so I may see you all there sometime. Thank you. And Tinder. Hey, thanks, Stephanie. Yeah, I'm a homeschool mom. I've been homeschooling from the beginning. And so I have four children and their ages are, I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, a um, 13-year-old, and a soon-to-be 11-year-old. So um, two boys and two girls. And we found um, sunlight in the beginning when they were Uh, when they were toddlers and I was immediately intrigued with the books, learning from literature. And so we have done that from the beginning and um, I will soon graduate my first one this next year. He will be a senior this coming year. Oh, wow. 
Well, congratulations, and thank you all for joining us. A lot of the questions we get are, that's a lot of books. How am I going to manage all of the books? How am I going to manage my children? And so at Sunlight, we have, you know, a way of doing that. So we're going to start out with, how do you fit multiple students into Sunlight Levels? How does that work? Since Sunlight is literature-based, and... Uh, I like to use this comparison. Think about when you go to the library and you've got maybe a third grader and a fourth grader. Well, you don't send the third grader to the third grade section and then the fourth grader to a fourth grade section. Uh, it just doesn't organize that way. And so your homeschool doesn't have to be either. Um, you can use uh, the same history and Bible and literature for multiple ages within a certain range uh, because you're doing those um, all together. And those are more comprehension-based um, subjects that, um, that and, and the kids are not reading those on their own. So it doesn't matter what their reading level is, you're reading to them. Uh, and so you just have to have individual math and uh, readers and language arts for the, the children uh, to do at their own level. But so much of sunlight can be done all together as a family. Absolutely, Tinder. Well, it has been, I've found that it is, works really well to um, combine a few of them and, and learn history together along a timeline. And that's, we do that with Sunlight, reading really good read aloud books that are historical novels or sometimes they're biographies. And they really seem to, those um, connect, the information really connects well and then they can remember it longer when it is a story. And so um, we, it is really fun to sit on your couch and read good books together and learn on a particular timeline versus just using a textbook and trying to remember dates and facts. Absolutely. Judy, why don't you talk a little bit about this? So, you know, one of the benefits of a literature-based curriculum like Sunlight is that you don't have to purchase a single uh, program for each and every child. Uh, so if you have three or four or five or more kids that you're educating, that can really add up after a while if you're buying a separate program for each one of them. So like Ann and Tender have already mentioned, um, those literature-based subjects you can, you can share. It's just like when you sit together in your living room and watch a movie. Um, if all your kids are sitting and watching a movie, you know that movie's not designed for just a single age or grade. Well, books aren't written that way either. And so sharing literature with your kids, whether the topic is biblical or whether it's historical or whether you're reading books about science topics, is a great way um, not only to save money on your homeschool curriculum, but also to build relationship. Um, with your kids. You're discussing together and having opportunity to disagree and agree and explore things together. So um, I think the flexibility that comes with a literature-based curriculum is amazing. So my kids are just old enough, like the age gaps are just big enough apart that I never really had the opportunity to combine them into one HBL. Um, but I can definitely speak to the literature piece of that because even though my oldest and youngest are 11 years apart, and so she was in high school by the time I was reading 
some of those first grade, second grade favorites, The Year of Miss Agnes, Charlotte's Web. It was amazing how, like, go away, I'm doing school with your brother, turned into everybody creeping back into the living room and having something quiet and purposeful to do because nobody wants to miss the scene at the fair in Charlotte's Web. And so, like Judy said, the literature isn't written for one age. And even with a broad age range in the family, um, those, those books are old friends. Those books speak to all the kids. And not only is it helping me to build relationships with my children, but it's giving them a common um, experience between each other. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys all mentioned it. We divide um, our subjects. We like to call them couch and table subjects. Um, and we divide it this way so we can help teach multiple levels uh, and multiple ages. Judy, why don't you talk a little bit about couch and table subjects and then we'll have everyone sort of chime in. Sure. So um, it, it's really very simple uh, way that we have divided them up. Couch subjects, as you might imagine, are subjects that you gather together on the couch and do. So that would be all of those literature-based subjects where you sit and read together and have conversation and discussion Table subjects are more skill-based subjects, and these would be specific to each student based on their skill level. Now, notice I didn't say based on their grade level or based on their age, it's based on their skill level. And so one of the benefits of homeschooling is regardless of age or grade, you can give your child math or handwriting or spelling or phonics at the level where they currently are, as opposed to uh, looking at their age or grade for that determination. So those would be table subjects. I really liked setting up our day with a split between couch subjects and table subjects. Um, and I explain to moms in the booth often that no matter what your brother is doing in math, you have to do your own. There's really no way around it. But everything that's a couch subject, everything that it's a sit down and read and listen and discuss and let's find it on the map and let's put it on the timeline, those are things that are so easy to do together. Not only reducing mom's workload, but including more people in the conversation helps to cement it because the kids get so much more context than just, you know, sit and listen. But they benefit from each other's questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really like to start out my mornings with our couch subjects. And I am, for years, I have done two um, HBLs at the same time. So I have one that I have it with my younger ones and then one with my older ones. And so I will start out the morning and we take turns, but sometimes I'm start reading with my younger children and I've got two of them that I'm sitting on the couch and we're reading our history and Bible and doing our timeline as Jen was mentioning. And so we'll do that for 45 minutes at the beginning of the day and I will read to them and we'll have our time together on the couch. Now, during that time, my older students are busy, you know, after they finish their breakfast, they are pretty, they're pretty independent at this point. They know what needs to be done. 
and I will review what tasks, you know, and make sure we are getting our things done, but they will self-start and work on their English or they'll be working on their math independently at their desk in their room or at the dining room table. So there, and as Jen mentioned, I cannot tell you how many times I am rereading some of the books for a second time with my younger children. And I have slowly, the number of kids in the living room <laughs> increases and they bring their work in to work on in the living room so that they can listen as well and sit where they can, you know, hear their favorite part of the story. And then once I finish with my younger kids reading with them, they, if they need any instruction on math, um, on English or handwriting, I will give them some direction and then I will get them started at the table. And usually some of that these days that it's not, you know, depending on your skill, their skill level determines at that table level, can you walk away? But sometimes you can give them directions and you can get them started and then you can walk away. And so then I would start, have another session with my older sitting on the couch and we'll read Bible together or we'll read one of the read aloud. So I spend part of my morning and I have two sets that I'm kind of doing with the HBLs. And then, um, and then after we finish that with those two groups, then I'm just working and making sure everybody gets their table subjects done, the math and reading at their level um, and English and so on. So. Mm -hmm. And like, um, uh, like Tinder said, uh, we, we start also with uh, couch subjects in the morning and my two are far enough apart in age that I do two HBLs with them, but they're close enough in age. I do feel comfortable doing the, uh, just picking one level of Bible from one of the HBLs to do for that year. And so we always start out our day uh, together with Bible. And then after that, uh, we just take turns, uh, you know, between the HBLs and their math and things like that. And I did learn early on that sometimes certain subjects just have to be done earlier in the day, and math is one of those for us. Uh, but other than that, after that, they could pick, you know, what they would do next. And uh, sure enough, it the the couch subjects are, are favorites uh, for everybody, and they always got chosen first. Uh, and um, so the youngest would always listen in with the oldest uh, with the read aloud. And then, uh, so when the youngest got to that read aloud a couple of years later, well, guess what? The older one came back to listen, and sometimes I would hear about it if I started the read aloud without letting him know, uh, <laughs> because he really wanted to be there for it. So one of the neat things about doing two levels of sunlight, it, it's kind of like your kids get double the education in some ways, uh, and, and they get they see things again when they're older, and they can get a new take on it, um, uh, just have different conversations about it, and um, so that's what the couch and table subjects are all about. That's a very good point, Anne. A lot of people ask if it's possible to do two different levels at the same time. And Anne is proof it is possible. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Steph, it probably would be helpful to, um, we're used to speaking sunlight ease, um, but HBL stands for History Bible Literature Program, in case people haven't picked up on that. 
Oh yeah, I didn't even realize it. It does become sort of part of your vernacular. I apologize, but yes, history, Bible, literature—it is the core of um, a sunlight package. And then, if you do add math, um, literature, language arts—I'm sorry, math, language arts, electives—those are all um, make up what we call an all-subjects package. So you really science, everything. Oh, and science, everything you need. From um, sunlight. So yes, thank you, Judy, for pointing that out. Sometimes we do get <laughs> caught up in our own little language. Um, so say you do have children the same age, or that can be grouped together in an in a level together. How do you decide what level to put them in? How does that work? Well, there's a great tool in the Sunlight Catalog, the scope and sequence in the back, and it will tell you the appropriate age ranges for each History Bible literature package. It's real uh, simple to find the levels that are appropriate uh, for those ages. And another thing to consider, if you are coming from a public school or a private school or even a different curriculum, uh, and you've already covered a lot of American history, but haven't had much world history, also look at the topic for uh, each uh, History Bible literature package. I think too when your uh, kids are a little bit older, there's also benefit in letting them be part of that decision-making process because odds are um, that there are going to be at least two levels of sunlight, sometimes three, that are appropriate based on your kids' age and grade ranges. And so maybe as your kids get older, you lay out those choices in front of them and say, what sounds more interesting to you? What would you prefer to do? Yes, uh, there's so much flexibility when you go to choose your level, because as Anne and um, Judy was just mentioning, like if you're coming from um, a school and they've already covered American history, well then you would, you know, and maybe that's one of the levels that in the age range, um, you could then choose and say, you know, we've already covered American history, let's do one of the world histories. And, and so you can kind of choose along those lines because there is um, a very good age range um, and you can and choose kind of based on just what would you like to be studying at this time or that you haven't already studied in depth. Yeah, to piggyback on what Judy was saying, um, once my kids got into that sort of upper middle school, high school age range, uh, they were not shy about reading the Sunlight Catalog and sharing with me their very strong opinions about what we should and should not choose for next year. And I mean, as any mom knows, buy-in from the kids makes your life a ton easier. <laughs> so as soon as people start saying to me, mom, we really need to look at doing that American History 100 level. It looks great. I mean, the books in there, mom. I mean, that one is my favorite. So probably the rest of them are great. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm sold. <laughs> Once the kids are enthusiastic about doing one level over another, uh, especially as teenagers, you know, uh, it's so easy to just let them help pick because all of the sunlight high school levels are wonderful. And there's too many to do them all. Yes. And so... You know, if we're covering what I say we need to cover and what the state says we need to cover and the kids have an enthusiastic preference, then that should also be a factor. 
Very good. So I have a nine and 11 year old. How do we get them to use the same program? How does that, what does that look like? Well, um, if I can kind of take that one first off, um, my kids are really kind of all two years apart. And so they are in that. And so what I have always done is, and it, and it kind of works out that my, uh, my boys are older and then my girls were younger. So I have boy, girl, boy, girl kind of stair step. And so what I chose to do is I chose one that was on a lower level for the older ones. And I kind of picked in the middle of, um, so when we started my sunlight journey, I actually started with like a, I, he was, um, six and we were doing like the four or five. I started real, or I started on a lower level doing a preschool because I wanted to make sure that I included my preschooler, my four-year-old. And so we did that and we just did the language arts program that we did appropriate to his level, whether that was the kindergarten level or the first grade level. And so I, um, sometimes the way they're matched is they allow that flexibility. Sunlight allows you to pick what language arts based on skill level versus um, and so I would pick the HBL and maybe do the uh, A one, but I had a language arts kindergartner and I was doing math kindergarten with my son, but I wanted to choose the preschool books so that I could include more of my preschool. And then I'd have toddlers on the floor and others that we were including. Um, so that's kind of what I've done the, in my sunlight journey is choose one that was in the middle between those two. I think the other thing to remember is um, much like when I mentioned earlier about kids of different ages watching a movie together, uh, the same thing happens when that nine-year-old and that 11-year-old listen to the same book together. Um, the nine-year-old and 11-year-old are going to take different things away from that reading. So you should never have the expectation that they will learn exactly the same or that they'll be able to answer all the exact same questions. So when I was working with a younger student, my expectation was different as to what he or she could answer in a discussion or write on a paper than it was for the older student from whom I expected a much higher level of comprehension and more detail in their writing. And so it has less to do with um, the content that you're reading them and more to do with what each of them is capable of taking away from that content. One of the things that moms have told me so many times about um, combining is that if you, um, if you aim between them, you can always supplement up a little bit for an older child who needs just a few more books or a little bit more material. And you can always just pull books out for a younger one who just isn't capable of the same level of work or the same amount of reading, but that the content is appropriate for that wide age range, just like it says on every, you know, HBL page in the catalog. And so it really does work to combine. You really mm -hmm. can do the same history, Bible, literature, content with more than one child. Let's get to practical tips. Practical ways parents can juggle the kids and the levels. Advice. Give it to us, ladies. Mm -hmm. Anne, why don't you start? 
All right. Oh, I think I mentioned before, yeah, two kids, two levels, and we would start out together with Bible and then just take turns. Uh, and so that gives the kids a little bit of a break. You know, we just did either one or two subjects, um, and then they would get a break and work with the other um, uh, child. Um, and that just worked really well for us. And from the very beginning, even when they were little, they understood, you know, if it's mom's time with brother, then you need to do something, you know, independently, you know, go play with your Legos, you know, whatever it is you want to do. This is your time. You get to do what you want to do. Um, and as they got older and more independent, they realized, hey, I can go do some of my independent schoolwork while mom's working with this other, you know, uh, subject with uh, my brother and or my sister. And, and I can get school done uh, even faster that way. So the older they get, yeah, it really gets a little bit easier. They do more things independently. Uh, and your day, you just get into a routine. It's just a lifestyle. Um, and um, talking about, you know, details about how it works. Uh, I set up, technically it was labeled as toy storage in the store but I used it as school storage. And I got a shelving unit with bins that you can pull in and out. And the night before, uh, I would just put uh, each uh, book, you know, that we would use for history, the literature book, the reader, the science book, in a different bin. And when they wake up, they see what there is to do for the day and school's not done until all of those are done. Uh, but it was a real easy system where they could see what they needed to do so that they could go pull something to do even if I was busy. Uh, and it just, it worked really well for us. I oh. realized after, um, it, you know, integrating younger children into my sunlighting homeschooling system is that the more kids you have, the more kids you are homeschooling, the less attached you can be to the idea of an eight to five school day. Um, I mean, maybe there are some super moms out there who can homeschool like six or seven of them and like be done by dinner. But that has never, ever been my experience. There's always one who wakes up early and is like, mom, can we do math? Like, can we do coffee? But, you know, here you go. Um, and then one of my favorite things is at like 10 o'clock at night when I'm ready to wind down and I'm like sitting on my bed, playing on the Facebook and some kid walks in and is like, mom, can you help me with this map? Yes, I would love to. <laughs> I wasn't at all done with today. But it just kind of, it, I mean, they're teenagers and some of mine are night owls. And so they just work when, you know, they have time, find time, want to keep going, whatever. Uh, even if we've kind of done it off and on all day, here we are at bedtime and somebody still is doing something. And what I realized is that's okay. That's just kind of the way we roll and um, it all gets done. It, they all get a chance to have my attention. Um, and it, it's not eight to five, but there's, you know, the homeschool police don't come running for us. So it's okay. <laughs> That's right. I really try to focus on my mornings to get as much as I can get done. You know, so I really, mornings are, I don't do too much housework. I might start a load of laundry or I might set out something that will defrost for dinner, but I'm pretty um, focused on just let's get school done. So one of the things I will try to do is like silence my phone. I do not want interruptions. And I have two HBL binders for each of the two sets that I'm working through and they are 
through the school year when I'm working, they're like always on our coffee table in front of our couch, full set to the right week. Um, I just leave it out all the time. Um, and then in our dining room, we have our storage for like our table subjects, the math that gets pulled out every day and then put back so we can eat dinner on the table at night. Um, so I really try on my time and my focus is just to how much can I accomplish with everyone and taking turns in the morning. So we'll make sure to definitely get that reading in and done. And then, um, and then I can send them, you know, if they need individual math instruction, I will help them with that. Or if they need some language arts, uh, need to go over what they need to do that day, I will work with them. And so I want to try to have as much done. And now Jen is correct. It doesn't always happen before lunch and, you know, and depending on the day and, and especially as they get older, you have high schoolers, it, you're not going to get it done before lunch. Now, if I'm speaking to toddler people with <laughs> elementary children and you've got preschool and yes, you can get it all done and be Absolutely. done by lunch and it's not a problem at all. Mm -hmm. um, but the older you children that you have, it, you're going to be working some in the afternoon, or let me rephrase that they will be working more in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So I try to get all of my instruction finished with them so that then the afternoon I can answer phone calls. I can do some of the other household chores that I need to do. Um, and so we kind of move on from that. Judy, I know you've got advice. <laughs> I think um, what you're hearing what these other ladies have said is something that I discovered with my oldest and that was um, it became important to me to set a goal that by the time each one of my kids um, hit those junior high and high school years that they were independent learners, that they could drive their own schedule, that they could plan their own day. Um, and I remember when my first one went off to college, um, her talking to me two or three weeks in and saying, mom, I'm on this group project and the rest of the kids in this group don't have a clue. They're, they're okay with waiting till the day before to get this project done. And so I think it's a very valuable skill that we teach them when they learn to drive their own um, time management and they learn to um, set their own goals and get things done on time. So it's not something, uh, time management is not scheduled in the Sunlight's instructor's guide but it absolutely is a very important side benefit. Yeah. One other tip I think that I would suggest is I have asked, you know, my kids and I think Ann touched on it that when I was working and giving my individual attention to one that I asked them not to interrupt unless, you know, I mean, if there was blood, yes, I, you know, I will stop what I'm doing. But if it is to, you know, sometimes they'll want to ask for a snack or something like that. I've asked that, you know, hold all the questions if it's not dire emergency until I'm finished. And you, because I'm like, you know, that when I'm sitting down with you, you don't like your older siblings or someone to come interrupt our time together. So that is another thing that I've asked is that they would, you know, they know what they could, you know, what snacks, they don't have to ask my permission. They can help themselves 
or, um, you know, they can go play. If they cannot, if they have end up having a question with their math, then I just, you know, then they can have permission. They don't have to try to do it without me. They can stop and have free time. And then they can ask me after I'm finished um, with whatever individual I was working with, they can come in. And so that is kind of nice. Uh, it just kind of helps the flow or that if, if I just ask for interruptions, like let us, let me focus on this. And then when I'm finished, I can then answer your question that you had on math. So that would be my other tip on just kind of set some of those boundaries or how you want things to go at the beginning, expectations for them at the beginning. And that kind of really helps as well. Very good. So related yet not exactly related. A lot of people will start homeschooling and they have um, maybe little kids like toddlers. Do you have any advice on how to keep the toddlers busy while you're working? I liked your piece of or what you said about um, just asking them to respect your time with the other child, but maybe a little bit more practical advice on those toddlers specific. Anyone have any advice? You can use nap time if they're still yeah. yes yeah. and just save certain things with your older children to do when the littlest ones are napping. Um, um, I had something and else I can't remember. So somebody else go. <laughs> and containment. If I need a toddler to stay in a high chair and just like snack and chill and play with Legos or eat Cheerios or whatever, and I know I'm going to get about a half an hour before, you know, containment gets boring, then I'm going to do whatever subject needs mom's attention first. Mm -hmm. And if we have a half an hour and we can accomplish a new lesson in math while that toddler is happy in the high chair, great. Because, you know, other things are more easily done when, you know, you're kind of multitasking but but there are things that just need your attention and so containment always works whether it's a high chair or a playpen or you know a stroller or an older sibling attending to a little one for just a little while um because with toddlers you gotta you know switch it up pretty frequently mm -hmm. um those little tiny attention spans but but yeah contain some kind of containment my toddlers <laughs> used to have a school bin all of their own. And so there were toys and um, those big fat markers and rolls of uh, butcher block paper and containers of Cheerios and things that only came out when we were doing school. They weren't allowed to have them at other times. And so it was new and fresh to them each day. And I would add things to that container or sometimes take things away that were getting old and boring. Um, and so they had something new and fresh to grab their attention for that short period of time that Jen mentioned. Yes, I also enjoyed having a box that I could pull out that was just special toys that came out at when we were doing school. So it was their school toys. And so it would sometimes contain puzzles to the big um, wooden puzzles that they I would just set in the floor and a lot of times when I first started I tried to include have everybody in the room if I had if I had a baby in my lap and I had the toddler on the floor with the tub of cars 
playing on the car mat and I was, had my, you know, kindergartner and my four-year-old on the couch listening as we read the Bible um, and did our read aloud. So I did try to include my toddler and baby in the room while we read um, and just have toys on the floor and you will be surprised. Your toddler will be able to tell you about the story as well. Um, so all of them are learning. And so you might not know that while they're playing with the cars on the floor, but they are learning as well. And I agree with Anne, especially when I first started that nap time was that I would do my read aloud in the mornings. And that, I mean, that would take like 15 minutes. You'd read your Bible, you'd do your read aloud. Um, and then at nap time, once I'd put after lunch, then I would pull out my language arts and math for my kindergarten and first grader. And we would work while others were napping. So that is a schedule that really worked well when I had real little people. Mm -hmm. Another thing that just came to my mind, uh, Tinder, you reminded me of, you know, when you have multiple ages listening to a story, they don't all have to be sitting perfectly still, you know, even in a chair. Um, kids are, they each have their own personality. They each um, might need to do something different while you're reading aloud. I have one that really does kind of need to sit beside me and just listen. And then another one that will work puzzles, play with Legos, any quiet activity like that. And you stop and ask a question and she immediately knows what the answer is, but she has to, you know, have something with her, going with her hands to be able to, you know, to focus on that. Uh, so, so read aloud time can, uh, can just be super entertaining for some, you know, random person that would just come by and look, you know, you could have a child, uh, you know, laying on the sofa, laying on the floor, uh, you know, doing a handstand while you're reading, uh, and it's all okay. It's all okay. They yeah. are listening and they are learning. Uh, and it's just, a, a like I said before, it's just your lifestyle of, of learning at home. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody learns so differently that, you know, you would think like, oh, I could never learn while I was laying on the floor or rolling around. But, you know, just <laughs> pause. If you are in question, pause the book and then you just, you immediately ask a question like, what was um, Fern doing and out in the barn, you know, and, and you get them to respond. And it is amazing that, yes, they can be doing all sorts of things on the floor and you would not realize, or they could be coloring and you ask them a question and they can give you a detailed account of what's going on. One of the best tips that someone gave me um, for my littlest who was a boy um, who could not sit still to save his life um, was to put him in a rocking chair um, because a rocking chair meant that he was moving um, and as long as he was moving, then his little brain could focus on what we were talking about. But if I expected him to sit still, then his little brain was saying, I've got to sit still, I've got to sit still, I've got to mm -hmm. sit still. And he totally missed whatever we were talking about. So you got to be creative. You really do. Judy, I had that boy too. And yeah. our solution for when he had to sit at the table was an exercise ball. Because to sit still on an exercise ball takes a lot of muscles and a lot yes. of constant adjustment. And that was enough movement and enough physicality that it allowed his brain to think about something else 
because he wasn't sitting still, he was balancing. Um, where, yeah, if you made him sit still, sitting still was literally all he could do. He couldn't hear you, he couldn't look at something, he took in no data, he could only concentrate on sitting. And so for those boys, sometimes something like an exercise ball or being allowed to roll around is the key to being able to listen. Mm -hmm. Yet on the flip side, I had a daughter who was so easily distracted. Um, I couldn't sit her at the dining room table because the big picture window with the cars going by was <laughs> she would look up every time a car would go by. Well, that first year when we were doing school with her, we bought a new refrigerator. And so I had this big refrigerator box. And someone said to me, I, I wish it had been my own original idea, but somebody said to me, make her a cubicle. And so we did. So we cut her a little cubicle, just like in an office. And she got to, you know, draw a clock or a picture on the inside. And when she would do subjects at the table, she sat inside her office and got so much more done because she could <laughs> see what was going on around her. Yep. Genius. That person was a genius. I, I just last night or two nights ago, I was reading to my nine-year-old and I'm reading the book and he's bouncing, doing his movements. And I, I finally, I stopped because I was distracted. And I said, who just walked in the room? And he looked at me and he told me exactly who it was and what he said. And I was like, okay, well, you're listening. I didn't, I mean, I'm distracted, but you're listening, which is good. Yeah. So yeah, it really does work to stop and ask them those questions. If you have questions, if you're wondering if they're listening. So that's all really great advice. Let's talk about one more thing and that's organization. With Sunlight, we have a ton of books. And if you're doing multiple levels, um, you know, how do you organize? How do you keep track of stuff? What tips do you have for that? We always have everything separate by level. Um, so you, and, and I needed, because I have children of such separate ages, I need to be able to pull an HBL out or a whole sunlight year and have access to every book we need and every workbook we need and everything. And then as we finish with them, I need to put them back in a box and have them out of sight and out of mind until they're ready for the next kid so that they're, the set is still complete two, three kids down the line. And so I pull out usually by quarter. Here are the books and they go in a milk crate or on a bookshelf, depending on what house we were in and what was convenient to, you know, the room where we were working, uh, but separate. And then we would use, you know, whatever we needed. And then as we were done with it, it got put back in the right box, which at the end of the year got put back into long-term storage. Um, the thing that people ask me the most about was that was my biggest problem when I started doing more than one um, package at a time was the huge instructor's guide. And what I've always done is gotten a little binder um, because I've had to do more than one program at a time. My little binder is kind of probably two and a half inches instead of that big monster binder. Um, and I pull out usually six weeks at a time and then have dividers for each kid. And so I have everything I need in there. And you know, every six weeks or so, I put those back in the big guide, pull out the next six weeks, and then all the instructor's guide I need is all together in my single binder. 
which like Tender said, is always like within four feet of my person. It's either on the table or on the coffee table or on the kitchen <laughs> counter because I really can't achieve anything without it. But um, keeping just sections kind of in an active binder and putting the big instructor's guide binders on the shelf um, has always worked better for me than trying to lug those monsters around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same for me. I have, I have a smaller binder that you know, I, have, I use two levels at each time. And so I just put uh, sometimes just one week's worth you know, of each one. Um, and uh, the flexibility of the readers and the read alouds at Sunlight has is really great because the pages with the com discussion questions on the readers and the read alouds come separately, not attached to the week. And so I actually keep those questions with that book because read alouds, they go with us on vacation. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't stop, you know, we can stop math and that doesn't go on vacation with us, but read alouds always do. And uh, so you've got the flexibility there just to keep those pages with the books so that the questions are always right there uh, with you to discuss. And so we have done that. Uh, and I mentioned before uh, the system we had with our uh, pull-out bins and I would fill up their books the night before. Uh, but for actual book storage, uh, bookshelves. I have one shelf for each uh, HBL that we're using and all the books stay there. Uh, if, when we're done with it, it goes right back on the shelf. And so I do keep them like uh, Jen does as a whole set for the whole year. And I have those great colored labels too. So yeah. you can tell if you've got all the right books on the shelf, if you use those colored labels on the spine of the book. Yeah. Yes. I have bookshelves through my house and I did buy like a cubicle bookshelf from Ikea that I've got in an entryway mm -hmm. that had, I had some empty wall space. And then I just have one would hold all of the books and I do have the sticker. I love the stickers that'll tell me that this is mm -hmm. um, level 200 books and I have all of the books on one shelf. Um, it's some of those, those are bigger high school required too. Um, but I have them all together where I can go back and find them and pull them out. Very good. Well, I appreciate you guys joining me so much on how to manage multiple children and multiple sunlight levels. Thank you for joining and providing your advice to all these people. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. Bye. Bye.